Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Southern Nationalist News. This is the first installment. I will be giving a weekly update on the news in the week and also giving you information on videos, uh, philosophical content, music, culture that is pertinent to the Southern people uh, for a weekly refreshing and uh, enriching of our culture and our understanding of history in light of modern news. So let's dive right in. Uh, this first video I have for you here is um, a beautiful Irish uh, folk band uh, coming out of Dublin. They're called Lynched. I absolutely love their music. This song has haunted me all week. I thought you would greatly enjoy it. There was an old man came over the sea, came sniveling, snuffling over on me with his long gray beard, with his long gray beard, a shivering and shaking. My mother, she told me to bid him come in. It's an ancient uh, English folk tune called The Old Man from Over the Sea. And uh, Lynched is definitely a worthy group to um, enrich yourself in, to understand, and to fall in love with your own people. And the southern people being a conglomerate of the British and northern European peoples coming from the Protestant Reformation. And I am continuing this effort in the south. So to begin, uh, we're going to deal with the pardon of uh, Joe Arpaio and uh, the racial debates that have been sparked over this uh, pardoning of this man. Of course, uh, the democracy is in no way more peaceful or um, more procuring of human happiness than the ancient theocracies of our ancestors, democracy being uh, exponentially more violent, turbulent, and ruining of human happiness it's nothing but class warfare, and this is what men do when they get their own way. Because men are fallen and they're sinful. That's the understanding of, of man in the South. We believe in the Bible. This is the Bible Belt. I, mean, I live in Tennessee. I live in the buckle of the Bible Belt, okay? And that is our view of, of man, is he's fallen. And because of this, um, institutions and um, uh, government policies need to be instated that understand the fallen nature of man and that curb him from his uh, desire to liberate himself from the institutions of Elohim. This is said in Psalm 2 that the, the wicked atheistic government uh, and pagan government uh, rulers of the world seek to unleash themselves from the shackles of, of God's word. And that this is the madness that has uh, ensued since man has um, 
thrown off the shackles, the chains, the restrictions that the Creator has put upon man in His Word, which are for man's good and happiness. So let, let us continue with the uh, debate here between George Ramos and the Arizona State Senator. Senator Montenegro, let me start with you. Arizona has two Republicans in the U.S. Senate. Both of them came out against the pardon of Sheriff Arpaio done this way. Senator Jeff Flake tweeting, quote, Regarding the Arpaio pardon, I would have preferred that the president honor the judicial process and let it take its course. Senator John McCain was even blunter. He tweeted, quote, The president's pardon of Joe Arpaio, who illegally profiled Latinos, undermines his claim for the respect of rule of law, unquote. Uh, Senator, why, in your view, are your two Republican U.S. senators wrong about this issue? Well, thank you for having me, Jake, first of all. And, you know, there's, there's long-standing disagreements uh, between those gentlemen and Sheriff Joe. I don't want to get in the middle of that, but I can tell you that there's also congressmen here in Arizona, like Congressman Trent Franks, Congressman Paul Gosar, Ca Congressman Andy Biggs, who have lauded and, and stand strongly behind the president's decision to uh, pardon Sheriff Joe. And look, what's on display here is, frankly, the hypocrisy from the left. You know, we had President Obama pardoning hundreds of thugs. You had President Obama, uh, I think his name was Oscar Lopez Rivera, who was a convicted, uh, unrepented terrorist. And where was the outrage from the left then when he was pardoning uh, thugs and murderers and unrepented terrorists like that? But you have here uh, an 85-year-old man who, frankly, has served his country since he was 18, um, and the best the left can come up with after they do a political persecution on him is a misdemeanor who even then that was, I don't think, uh, I don't believe that was done correctly through the judicial process. So what we're seeing here is outrage uh, on one end, a double standard, but not, not when it comes to actual terrorists or unrepented thugs and terrorists like Oscar Lopez Rivera. All right. Uh, I think Senator Montenegro is forgetting that he's an immigrant from El Salvador. And that Sheriff Joe Arpaio discriminates. <laughs> what, what he's what what Mr. Ramos is about to do is he's about to um, he's about to appeal to tribal interests because the the left is just as uh, tribal, nationalistic, and racialist as uh, any uh, right wing uh, white nationalist in America. It, it is all democracy is nothing but a group. Uh, orgy of hate and war. That's all democracy is. It is absolutely disgusting. And um, th this whole thing about the the left wing being against racism, all that means is they're against white people. That's all that means. ...against many people, just like you, Senator. Um, by pardoning Arpaio, uh, President Trump is defending racism. Arpaio violated the Constitution... He discriminated against Latinos. He okay, so again, he's only mad because he's discriminating against his own people. Okay, this is nothing but group. If, it, if he was discriminating against white people, he would say that what uh, the sheriff did was a, a, a matter of social justice and, you know, it was uh, completely justified. He was convicted of a criminal contempt of court. And, and not only that, the Department of Justice, ACLU, two judges agreed that he practiced and promoted racial profiling. In other words, and, and the left and its government officials profile our people on a daily basis. Uh, men that have, that live in the South, that fly Confederate flags, that wear, you know, military clothing, uh, they profile us as being right wing terrorists, possible terrorists. 
They try to get us fired from our jobs, get our websites shut down, uh, censor us, be, simply for not hating our national identity. So again, these people profile just as much as any right-wing racist police officer. He was accused of racism. Sheriff Arpaio discriminated against thousands of Latinos. He destroyed many homes. And that's precisely, that's precisely the man that in the middle of a hurricane, President Trump pardoned. Well, Jake, let, let me respond to that. I, I, I do remember that I'm an immigrant myself. And frankly, uh, Sheriff Joe has endorsed me in my campaigns in the past and supported me for years as well. So this narrative that the left tries to push that Republicans are racist, look, if you're looking at the screen right now and you think I'm a white Republican, you need to adjust your screen. Okay, N nothing but identity politics constantly. It's utterly disgusting, low-level um, debates that happen in America because of democracy is nothing but again just it's just class warfare that's all democracy is and let everyone know that uh, I am not a Republican the Republican Party was the party that uh, incited the invasion rape pillage and murder of our people down here in the south uh, the proper uh, southern biblical and um, natural economic policy is national socialism National Socialism was not created by Germany. National Socialism was uh, created in the southern states. Uh, you can read uh, Prescott Webb's book, Divided We Stand, on that, where the southern states were regulating the capitalist corporations, which we, we refer to as carpetbaggers to this very day, and um, that we were regulating them to protect our people because of their exploitation of our people, how they were not... Uh, uh, giving back to the local communities. They were taking the money that they earned back up to their uh, headquarters in different states in America. It was a big controversy over interstate commerce, but the southern states were most definitely uh, enacting collectivist and uh, nationalistic social uh, socialist policies to regulate the northern companies that were coming down here. Uh, this whole idea of capitalism and freedom and stuff, it's, it's all just a way to get to trap southern men into... Um, supporting their conquerors okay so uh, if you're a southern man please don't be a republican this is the narrative that the left continues to push against republicans and it's simply not true and frankly look the judges that were that started this case in the first place first of all the, the judge should have recused herself because she had a, a family member that was part of the original lawsuit against sheriff joe um she should have recused herself in the first place. And then when it comes time to, to have a jury or a trial, they, the Obama administration takes this case and doesn't even allow there to be a jury uh, or a trial by jury. Again, there's so many things. Sheriff Joe would have won this case on appeal because the process was very grossly uh, neglected. But again, folks like Jorge, they use true. these talking points. They use these talking points against Republicans about racism. Again, look, I can, I can start, start doing this interview in Spanish if we want to. I'm a Republican. Does that make me a racist? No. I'm an immigrant myself. Does that make me a racist? No. It's just that we respect the rule of law. We want to make sure that we are obeying, that we are upholding. That is an absolutely disgusting lie. Uh, the Northern Yankees and the Republicans uh, here in America have not uh, respected the rule of law for um, hundreds of years. Um, the um, <laughs> the uh, John Brown, the abolitionist from the North, the Yankee abolitionist, committed all manner of murder and terrorism and uh, acts of vigilante violence, completely renouncing and denouncing the rule of law. 
he is a hero among the uh, liberal movement that incited uh, the invasion, rape, pillage, and murder of our ancestors down here in the South. Um, this man, Nat Turner's Slave Rebellion, which murdered uh, scores of people in Virginia. Um, again, th these, these, these men are celebrated for their rejection of the rule of law and their enacting of unbelievable acts of violence, vigilante violence, for the sake of their lunatic and unnatural political philosophies. Um, you can also see uh, the fact that um, the fact that uh, the the North even wanted to fight a war over slavery in the first place shows they don't care about the rule of law. That they just care about violence and conquering their enemies. That's all they care about. Uh, you can uh, see this interview with Ron Paul where he talks about how there was no need for a civil war here in America. That slavery could have been ended very peacefully. Uh, simply by uh, the state purchasing the slaves of the South. But the North didn't want that. The Republican Party didn't want that. Why? Because they don't care about the rule of law. They don't care about peaceful, legal transactions between people. They care about the destruction of our nation, the complete mongrelization of our people so that they can easily conquer us and continue to plunder our people through pensions, through patent laws, through taxation, through exploitation of our resources, and so they can enrich themselves. It's the only reason why they believe the things they believe. As Frederick Nietzsche says, this is the, this is the mind of an atheist. There is nothing true. There is only a will to power in this life. That's all that matters in this life. Is this, this, as Nietzsche says, this world is a will to power and nothing besides. Ron, you are <laughs> you're too human to be a Republican. Uh, now, I, I was on Bill Maher uh, a, a couple about a year and a half ago or so, and you came on and you uh, you came on uh, by, by satellite uh, and you were explaining about the Civil War, how it didn't need to be fought. Uh, and I was at first like, he's, he's saying that it didn't need to be fought. But when you explained it to me, I thought it was one of the most pragmatic, reasonable things I've ever heard a politician say. Well, you know, the other nations in the West that had slavery all got rid of slavery without a civil war. And the motivation behind the civil war had more to do than just uh, the slavery right. issue. So we lost 600,000 Americans and uh, a lot of residual, probably some left over today. They're right. still residual. So you could have, with a, a full, small fraction, of the money and no deaths, just bought the slaves, you know, and 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 and, and freed the slaves. That's what that's what Britain did in some other nations, and that just makes a lot more sense than uh... right because because the Republican Party doesn't care about the rule of law, they do not care about peaceful transition of power and democracy and people getting. They they are a like any other really any other human institution. It has to be a violent, self-protecting. Um, self-promoting uh, institution that protects itself at the expense of everything else around it. I mean, that that's, again, vir this virtue signaling bullshit. Just tell us who you really are. Just say, we hate you people down here in the South. We have done everything that we can to conquer you people and to exploit you uh, because we hate you and we are a conquering regime. That would be honest. That would be straight-tongued. That would be uh, an honest, straight-tongued um, explanation of what you've done in this country over the last 150 years. But no, they're not going to do that. They're going to they're going to justify their nonsense with their virtue signaling cliches. And just to let you know, uh, Jorge Ramos. Okay, he's a Roman. He was raised Roman Catholic, 
and uh, he went. He attended the Universidad uh, Iberoamericana in Mexico City. What what university is that? Let's see here. Universidad Iberoamericana, um, commonly known as one of the most prestigious universities in Mexico and Latin America. The private institution of higher education is sponsored by <gasps> the Society of Jesus. Ooh, Miss Ramos, he's Jesuit boy. Is anyone as familiar with the platform of the Southern Protestant? That's who I am, Southern Israelite. Um, the the understanding that I have of history, which is uh, inherited from my Protestant Reformation heritage, is that the Jesuit order of the Roman Catholic Church is the most dominant influential group on the face of the flat earth. And um, this group of people has uh, done everything it can, uh, really came to power uh, over its traditional Catholic enemies in 1814, but is the most dominant group uh, in the, of the modern world. And that is my historiography. It's really in, since the time of the Reformation, this group of people has been doing everything it can to destroy uh, our people, the British and Northern European Protestant people. This, this order, the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits, they were specifically commissioned for the destruction of our movement, the Protestant Reformation. And the, this is what's called the Catholic Counter-Reformation. They were the leaders of it, okay? And this is what this is about. This is what all the racial hostility in America is about. All the immigration is being pushed primarily by the Catholic Church to Latinize the American Protestant population so that we'll come back to the Catholic Church. This is what this is all about. And as I pointed out in a video I made, if you go to YouTube, type in uh, the alt-right is a deep state Catholic psyop. I go through all the documentation showing how all the main leaders of the alt-right are uh, Catholic and promote openly the reestablishment of, of Catholicism in America. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a uh, over-exaggeration in any way whatsoever, folks. Sorry. Holding the best of the process that we have in this country. Or I go ahead. Yeah, but you're not respecting the rule of law right there, Mr. Is this the rule of law, Mr. Ramos? You guys quote this Declaration of Independence, which clearly states that uh, the right of a government comes to rule comes from the consent of the people, right? Does, does this look like consent to you right here? When, when, when your people came down here and stuck bayonets in the backs of our, of our little girls down here come, going to school because you wanted to force integration on us, force us to be integrated with the people who hate us, whose morals and inclinations are completely opposite to us as a people. Does that look like rule of law to you? Or, or does that look like thuggery? Right? That's who you people are, Mr. Ramos. You're thugs. Right? Trying to virtue signal your way into more power in this country. You don't care about the rule of law. Montenegro, because uh, the fact is that Sheriff Arpaio is a convicted criminal. And he was accused of racism. And I, your, your last name is in Spanish, Montenegro, not, not in English. And I find it really disturbing and sad when an immigrant like you decides to turn his back on other immigrants. See? See? Racial tribalism. You're a traitor to the tribe. Okay? This is not about individual rights or equality, folks. This is about other groups of people coming to, trying to come to power over our people through psychological manipulation. And forgets where he comes from. I, I think and, you, and you I had the choice, Mr. Montenegro, when, to be on the right side of history. To be, like Senator, Senator let, let Jorge finish, please. Go ahead, Jorge. 
You had the chance, Mr. Montenegro, and President Trump had the chance to be on the right side of history, and that is with tolerance, with diversity, uh, with democracy, and you, Mr. Montenegro. All diversity means is white people give up your power so we can come to power over you. That's all diversity means. And President Trump decided to be on the wrong side of history, and that is with racism and with discrimination. That's precisely what happened when President Trump pardoned Arpaio. Go ahead, Senator. Uh, again, this is part of the uh, the narrative. I mean, the left, they resort to personal attacks when they can't stand on facts. I mean, the Republican Party here in Arizona, I was the majority leader in the House of Representatives. That That's the Republican Party not being racist. I'm, I'm a statewide candidate right now for Secretary of State for the Republican Party. That's not racism. Th this narrative that Republicans are racist, it's it's what the liberals and the left resort to when they have when they're left out of facts. When they have You're defending to someone who's on. being accused of racism, Mr. Montenegro. You, no, you're I'm, defending I'm, I'm, Donald Trump, uh, a, a, a person who um, accused Mexican immigrants for being rapists and criminals, and that you know precisely that is not true. So you are defending Arpaio, who's been accused of discrimination. You're defending President Trump. First of all, you, you people, um, again, every human institution has to discriminate. If you hold any principles whatsoever, which every human institution has to, or else it can't write a constitution, by, by that fact, by that fact, uh, you have to discriminate against other ideologies. It's it just, just by the natural outworking of opportunity cost, there's going to be discrimination. There, there's no way to avoid discrimination. It is inherent in the nature of choice and in the nature of any human institution. Who's, who's been accused of racist remarks, those are the people you are defending, Mr. Montenegro, an immigrant well, Jorge, from El Salvador. Jorge, in this country, we follow the rule of law. In Nonsense. this country, we believe that everybody has the right to to a process to be charged. If they're going to be charged if, to a process that's going to... He was to, charged. Uh, Arpaio was charged. Yeah, correct. And there was a judge who should have recused herself because she had her, her, her the original family member was one of the folks that started the lawsuit against Sheriff Joe. And, and then when it's time to actually do the, the, the trial, as the Constitution states, we need to make sure that we either do it if it's going to be criminal, which, by the way, this happens in other countries. This is a long process. I, I, it's this a happens long process in other countries. It's called political persecution. This happens no, in other countries. No, it's not political persecution. It's called, persecution. It's called persecution. discrimination. When folks don't agree all, with you, all institutions the, the judicial system to it's try to destroy persecution. you. That does not happen in this country. In this country, we follow the rule of law. In exactly. This country, right. Liberals do everything they can to shut the mouths of uh, white people who are resisting their own displacement in this country. They try to get them fired from their jobs, make sure they're not hired anywhere. They discriminate. They, and they openly and proudly discriminate, right? And we actually have a system. And, and this, what this, this nonsense did is about discrimination, racism. Mr. Montenegro. What, like what I Sheriff Arpaio did is, Mont is, is, is discrimination. All people and, and discriminate. Yet, let me just say something about it's President Trump because I think that if President Trump wanted to distance himself from racism, he had a, a great opportunity, and he just didn't use it. Uh, not only he pardoned Arpaio, but this happened after he refused for two days to condemn by name the KKK. This happened after he equated... What you, you people refused to condemn Antifa. And r really, your entire movement, your liberal left-wing movement, has done everything it can to suppress the crimes of communist regimes. 
Uh, it was just in the night in the late what was it, in the mid in late 1960s when all of this came out about what your communist regimes did in Russia and China. There's just tens of millions of people being killed and murdered for your political factions. And, you know, so, so you can you can take your virtue signaling. I'm trying to make my platforms more mainstream. I need to calm down my language a bit. But um, this is total hypocrisy. These people trying to condemn the KKK. The, how many people did the KKK kill? What, a few dozen maybe? How many people did your regimes kill, the communist regimes in Russia? 20 million? How, how, many, how many people did they kill in China? 60 million, according to Professor R.J. Rummel in his statistics on democide? Paul Pot, Kim Jong-il, right? Fidel Castro, how many people did they kill? Are, are, are liberal regimes called terrorist groups in America? No. Why? Discrimination. You're discriminating. You're, you're, you're giving certain views status that you will not refuse to give other ideas because you don't believe in equality. No human institution can believe in equality. It is inherent in the nature of choice. When you choose some ideas, your environment is going to discriminate just by the principle of opportunity cost. White supremacists with those marching against racism. Okay, you call me a white supremacist, I call you a white subjugationist. Okay, what's your view of the world, Mr. Hor uh, Mr. Ramos? That, that white people are up here and the colored people are down here. And so what we got to do is we got to instate certain government policies that force white people into subjugation and ascend the colored peoples up, right? And so we're supposed to believe that at some mythological point in the future, which, which we know you're never going to admit, but th at one point, supposedly, there's going to be an equality between the two. White people have been brought down so much, colored people have been brought up so much, that they reach a point where they're equal. And right at that point, we're supposed to believe that you're going to say, okay, we no longer want any, any government policies that give us advantage. We no longer want any advantage in life or any power in life. We want, we want to give power back to you white people, who we view to be our greatest enemies. No, we know exactly what that means. What equality means is white people need to be subjugated so we can come to power over them. That's what equality means in this country. This happened after he called very fine people um, those who decided to march with neo-Nazis. And after that, he pardoned Arpaio. Okay, so so what, what about the people who marched with communists? Communists committed way more crimes than any right-wing regime ever. What I'm really concerned, Jake, really, really concerned, is that with these actions, President Trump is making racism something normal. And by defending someone... Well, uh, no, uh, Donald, nature is inherently nationalistic and racialist. That's it. Again, all human institutions have, just by the principle of opportunity cost, an inherent discrimination in them. It is just part of making choices and having an institution okay so donald trump isn't making racism fashionable racism and national bloodline feuds have always existed in this world and they always will exist okay until maybe the coming of the master yeshua okay so trump didn't do anything to this who's been accused of racist behavior like, like arpaio he's 
He's telling everybody in the United States, you know, it is okay. It is okay. Racism is okay in this country. And I'm, I'm really... That, that you, you liberals ever since the 1960s have made very clear that racism is okay. It's okay to hate white people. It's perfectly fine to hate white people and to, and to hurt them and to do everything that you can to subjugate, to get them fired from their jobs, to do everything that you can to get things out of them, right? Disturb and concern about that because well, if President yeah. Trump is doing that and Arpaio are doing that, then what's the message for the rest of the people who voted for Donald Trump? Well, and let me add to that. Look, I think Americans are seeing right through this. This doesn't have to do with racism. This is the left having a double standard. It's when racism. You have left, well, when, when we're talking about the left pardoning thugs, unrepented terrorists, when we have the less left cheering for that, when we have the left cheering for the pardon of traitors that give away secrets that put in danger and imperil Americans and everybody in this country, and they cheer just because a man wants a sex change, I mean, that is what's on display here, the hypocrisy from the left, the hypocrisy and the left trying to make racism Mr. an Montenegro, issue you are when the fact is that a we are a country of the of rule of law. Okay, no, you, you, where was your outrage when, when uh, President Obama was pardoning Unrepented terrorist, Jorge. Where you was are, your you outrage? You are defending right Jorge. now, Mr. Montenegro. You uh, are defending. Where was your outrage? If, if I could just interject myself for one second, Jorge, before we go, I, I just. Um, you liberals have defended the greatest criminals in the history of the world. You, you've defended and hidden their crimes. You've you hid the crimes of Mao Zedong. You hid the crimes of the Bolsheviks. You hid the crimes of Joseph Stalin. You 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 have tried everything that you can to suppress the crimes going on in the abortion clinics in this country. So, so, so you, you can, uh, again, take your hypocrisy, Mr. Jorge Ramos, and go back to where you came from. just wanted to check in because obviously at the beginning of the Trump campaign, uh, you famously clashed with a then-candidate Trump at a news conference. He told you to sit down and go back to Univision. Um, obviously now uh, we are... Uh, eight months in to the Trump presidency, or seven months and change, um, the Latino community has been able to, to actually take measure of his time in office. Um, what's your read on how he is being received by the Latino community in this country in general? My, my read is that, that we were right when they detected racism, when President Trump said that Mexican immigrants were criminals and rapists. And, and when he told you, Jake, that Josh Curiel couldn't do his job simply because he's a Latino. That's again, as you mentioned back then, a definition of discrimination and racism. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say that we were right. I'm sorry to say that what we detected on June 16, 2015, um, is happening here because it, it follow a path, not only his criticism of immigrants, but then what he said about Josh Curiel, and then what, how he responded to the violence in Virginia, and now he's part on to Arpaio. I'm wondering what's next. Maybe DACA, maybe a wall. Who knows? I hope he does build that wall. I think it would be one of the greatest things ever done by an American president. Um, but just to give you some uh, introductory information on the effect that immigration has on the local population in America, the native working um, population, you can see this uh, lecture here by George J. Borges called The Cost of Immigration Economics Roundtable. This is an excellent explanation of the uh, effects that uh, immigration has on a native uh, workforce. 
then you can also uh, see here this article. Uh, this is one aspect of immigration. Immigrants in the U.S. sending $120 billion back home. That's how much money leaves the country. That was, and this is a figure in 2012. It's probably larger now. And uh, this is what, what happens when these immigrants come here to America. They, they don't reinvest into the local population, local economy. They take the money they earn here and they send it back to their countries. It's, it's a form of wealth redistribution. And then you can see this, this uh, article here. It's called, this is from the Bank of England. A staff working paper 574, the impact of immigration on occupational wages. Okay. And I want to read uh, what it says here in the, in the explanation. This paper asks whether immigration to Britain has had any impact on average wages. There seems to be a broad consensus among academics that the share of immigrants in the workforce has little or no effect on native wages. These studies typically have not refined their analysis by breaking it down into different occupational groups. Our contribution is to extend the existing literature on immigration to include occupations as well. We find that the immigration to native ratio has a small negative impact on average British wages. So it doesn't help the economy for our people. <clears throat> it, it hurts the economic power of our people, uh, immigration does, and that's from the Bank of England. Okay, so again, the uh, genocide of our country is continuing with the um, the destruction of the um, the historic monuments of our nation. Um, this is a pretty standard fare. You read the United Nations Convention on the Prevention of Genocide, and you read one of the definitions is any policy that destroys uh, in part or in whole an ethnic or religious uh, group of people and uh, tries to destroy their ideology, and that's what's going on in this country. It it is a form of genocide. Um, again, that that is you you can read the uh, United Nations uh, uh, Prevention and Convention on Genocide, and if you scoff at my definition of genocide, I don't care. I got it right from the United Nations documentation. And um, if you if you notice, uh, Donald Trump came out and he talked about this. He talked about. Um, what, what does it mean if we, if we start tearing down the Confederate monuments, um, what, what else is it going to mean toward other monuments, such as the monument of Thomas Jefferson to Abraham Lincoln? And I think it's great. I think it's fantastic because what it's doing is it's showing that the real, uh, the real underbelly of liberalism, really of the entire history of this country has been communism. And, um, that's really the underlying principle of what everything the Founding Fathers wanted here. And uh, it is the only way to enforce the liberation of humanity that the Founding Fathers wanted is communism. You take a look at some of the groups and you see, and you know it if you were honest reporters, which in many cases you're not, but many of those people were there to protest the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. So this week it's Robert E. Lee. I noticed that Stonewall Jackson's coming down. I wonder, is it George Washington next week? And is it Thomas Jefferson the week after? You know, you, all, you really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? And I, I firmly believe this man was brought into power to create a civil war here, okay? And uh, Donald Trump. I believe that both the communist Antifa movements and 
the alt-right are controlled by the same Jesuitical and Catholic powers that exist in the world to create and foment a civil war and martial law here to destroy the traditional enemies of the Jesuit order, namely the Jews and the Protestant Calvinists. And that's what this is about. And to eliminate people like me who know enough and have the mental acumen to uh, resist what the Catholic Church has done to the world, and especially in its Jesuit counter-reformation mode. Okay, so um, if you haven't heard, um, Houston, Texas is under a flood right now. It's, um, from what I understand, it's complete destruction in Houston. It's one of the worst natural disasters to ever happen to America. Uh, this is this interesting. I, I just I wanted to put this in to give you an idea of the mentality of a lot of men in the South that I find to be extremely destructive of our national unity and any hope of gaining any uh, liberation from the United States government and having our own country is this anarchist conspiratorial mentality that completely ignores all the biggest conspiracies that are right in front of everyone's face and makes such minute attention to these conspiracy theories that really have little to do with the overall thrust of society and the powers that be, okay? This is Dabu77. Uh, He's extremely popular among the anarchist uh, white male population in America. And this is his take on what happened uh, with the Houston hurricane. Okay. This is Dabu7. We have raised the question many times, are they weaponizing the weather? <laughs> I think the obvious answer is yes. But coming up with the proof to show is rather always difficult, but we do know a few things. Right. I mean, we, we've shown that NASA is lying. We have we have direct evidence NASA is lying about the nature of our reality, about the nature of the Earth. Uh, the the racial policies of America are ipso facto genocidal to our population. Um, the forced integration of our schools, the sexual revolution, Alfred Kinsey, the abortion holocaust. Um, the complete destruction of the church in this country and of religion ever since the Civil War with the controversies on slavery, with the controversies on the nature of the earth going on in the 20th century with NASA. I mean, the biggest conspiracies in the history of the world. Did these people ever talk about this stuff? Nope. No. What do they talk about? They talk about fluoride in the water. They talk about weaponizing weather conspiracies, chemtrails, things of this nature, okay? Are they conspiracies? Maybe so. That doesn't mean they even remotely, even remotely compare to the conspiracy of NASA, to the conspiracy of the sexual revolution. Men can't even have a family here now. Is Mr. Dabu77 going to talk about that? No. Why? Because he knows those issues are so important he'll be persecuted for them. But if he if he talks about this silly stuff about the weather or chemtrails, well, you can do that, and you won't be under you you won't be under surveillance by the government. I am. I I'm under surveillance of the government. I'm on the Na Southern Poverty Law Center's hate watch list. I have to worry about whether I can get a job 
I have to worry about whether I'm going to be able to eat food on a week-to-week basis because of the beliefs that I have. Do these people have, these anarchist boys, these so-called patriot boys down here, do they have to worry about that? Of course not. Anything about the history of our people and the economic policies and what has happened um, with the transition of power from the north to north and the south in the last 150 years and um, how the northern states have completely impoverished us as a people. Will they talk about that? No. No. And they're going to defend cap, they're going to defend capitalism. (laughs) Utterly pathetic. We do know that the chemtrailing is real. We do know that HARP and other facilities are very real. Talk about NASA, Mr. Davis. Now, when we take a closer look at these technologies and knowing what they've been doing militarily and through the CIA and other groups for decades, we know that they have been very interested in this field. We know that they have made massive leaps and bounds in progress in figuring things out. It was back before I was even born. Wait, they you're had not going to talk about how that relates to the Earth, Vietnam. Though, are This was back in 67, 60, or 67, 68. Operation Popeye. They increased the rainfall by 30% over Vietnam, and they stalled out the troops. Fast forward to here in recent times, we'll talk about things like HARP, a program which we know sends waves and projects heat into the upper ionosphere. Now, can you imagine if that thing was pointed at the heart of a hurricane? It's simple math. It would fire it up. It would charge it up. And it would make it devastating. Now, with that same concept, I feel they could steer these things away. They have the technology, yet they're not talking about none of this, which raises more red flags. We see the big wave anomalies coming from Antarctica, all the other manipulation. The past few years, we've seen flooding and and droughts and and wild weather patterns all over the place. It looks like this year is going to be an active hurricane season. Okay. Okay, so then this week we had the Floyd Mayweather beats Conor McGregor fight. I hope you spent not a single penny on this. Uh, the sports industry is a total waste of your time. Uh, this country is under siege. Our nation is um, falling into civil war, anarchy, and possibly martial law. Um, and this is the kind of thing that the white men in this country are concerned about, are these games. And it's just really sad. And if that's your lifestyle, if your lifestyle is based on sports and games, you should be ashamed of yourself. I hope you're ashamed of yourself. Okay. When, what does Paul say? When I became a man, I put away childish things. Right. Okay. All right. So here is uh, the Young Turks. They are a Marxist movement here in America, and they hate white people. And I'm going to uh, go through their videos on a regular basis. And here's one regarding affirmative action. I'm just going to break this down for you. The New York Times did an analysis of ethnic representation in college campuses. Now, this is a big topic because of the fact that the Justice Department is going after universities that still implement affirmative action. And so with affirmative action in place on some college campuses, do minorities still or ever have uh, any type of equal representation? And uh, this analysis found out that no, no, they don't. 
All right, so here's what they found. Black students make up 9% of the freshmen at Ivy League schools, but 15% of college-age Americans, roughly the same gap as in 1980. So for those who make these arguments that, oh, black students just get in willy-nilly simply because they're black, that's not really what happens. In fact, even when it comes to schools that do still implement affirmative action, what they do is utilize race as a final decision maker if there are candidates that are highly competitive and it's really hard to differentiate between them, right? So it's not like they only look at race. They look at a litany of things. And then in the end, uh, if someone comes from an underprivileged background and race has something to do with that, well, that might give uh, a particular applicant a little bit of an edge. Yeah, I definitely come at this from a, a little different perspective. Not completely different, but significantly different. So, so first of all, and, and by the way, are we are we supposed to believe that at, at some point in the future, when whites and other uh, ethnicities are at an equal economic standpoint, that you're no longer going to want affirmative action? All right, this is an example that I'm talking about. Okay, th these people are always going to want these policies until they are in complete power and completely have overcome the white population. You can't tell me that they don't want advantages over the people that they see as their historic enemies. It's it's so it's just complete lunacy this equality nonsense. It's just a way to subjugate whites and for colored people to and people it's really for for communists really to come to power over um people who believe in more traditional morality. That's really what's at the heart of this. And it, it, the, the people most wanting this to happen are communists, are white people, white liberals, so they can virtue signal, right? They're virtue signaling morality, that they hate their own people. This all, again, all comes from, not doesn't come from the New Testament. I believe in the New Testament, but it does come from traditional Christian theology. This whole idea of loving your enemies, okay, it is a, the, the, the doctrine of loving your enemies in the Bible is in Leviticus 19 is you you love people of your own nation who have the same basic religious and ethnic um, commitments that you do, but for some reason you have personal beef with each other, and you are to love them for the sake of the nation. That's what Leviticus 19 says. That's clearly where Yeshua, Jesus, got his doctrine from. He made very clear in Matthew 5:17 to 19 that he did not come to do away with the law or the prophets. Yeah, he made that very clear. Okay. So th this whole idea, this Christian idea is not only do I, you know, th this mentality that grows in these liberals, not only do I not hate my enemies, I'm so holy that I hate my own people. It's absolutely disgusting. Well, another way to look at this is, well, we've been doing it for 35 years and it still hasn't helped. So it, it's, it was, if it was meant to catch up um, minorities uh, to the percentage of their, in their population, it didn't work. And so we get on the war on drugs for not working, the Cuban embargo for not working, and how long are we going to keep doing something that isn't working? So, and, and the reason it isn't working is not because of the, any of the right wing positions, it's because we're not addressing the root causes. By the time they get to college, it, if you grew up in a, in a socioeconomic background that's disadvantageous, uh, it's too late. You, you already went through to bad schools that didn't let you take. There weren't enough books to take home, and and the list goes on and on. And so it, it's it's addressing the symptom rather than the cause. 
And, and, and I know why it happened in the first place, and I know that affirmative action was right in the first place, otherwise there would have been no opportunity to break in, okay? Now, having said that, it's gone on too long. Then the second part of it is that it creates a stigma, even though you're right, Anna, that it is one of many, many factors, and the courts have actually adjudicated that. Mm -hmm. It can't be a sole factor or anything along those lines. People assume it's the sole factor. Yeah, I know, this is the argument that you make that, that convinces me the least. I think it's like the weakest argument you make because I don't care what people assume. No, I don't but it care. stigmatizes I know, people. I know, I know, but I don't care. Look, the people who, who latch onto the hatred toward black students and they say, oh, the only reason why they got in was because of affirmative action, they're gonna hate on those students anyway. So I don't wanna use that or, or their feelings or emotions as some sort of factor that's gonna convince me otherwise, right? I wanna make sure that fair is fair. Your argument about inequality beginning at grade school is a great argument, and you're right. This affirmative action does try to put a Band-Aid on a gushing wound, and that gushing wound is the inequality with the public school districts throughout the country, the way that they're funded. Many school districts are funded through uh, property taxes. So think about that for a second. If you're living in a poor neighborhood where property values are low, property taxes will be low. And so funding for the schools in those areas are obviously gonna be low. Right which is the whole reason and the whole point that we've been making in the South for decades, that what you're wanting then is not equality. What you're wanting is special status for other groups of people over white people. Okay, That's what you're wanting. The reason, okay, f first of all, uh, your integration policies have been the number one reason why black communities are poor and remain poor. Why? Because the, the successful blacks in your communities do not stay in their communities and reinvest their wealth and education in their communities. They leave their communities to go live with white people. Uh, my friend Omar and I did a, an extended uh, documentary uh, interview on this issue. Uh, it's called Jesuit Race War 7, State of Blacks Pre-Civil Rights, where we talk about the economic status of black people and how the black communities function before integration, they were much better off financially, much better off socially, much better off morally. It's been your liberal policies of integration and hatred of white people and hatred of the Bible that has weakened and destroyed these communities. And so what you're doing is you're 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 blaming problems you created as the reason why you're policies have failed that's precious and so you there is no equal footing that's something that absolutely needs to be addressed now let me give you a few more um, stats that uh, this created. analysis found in mississippi louisiana georgia and south carolina blacks represent about a third or more of each state's college age population but less than 15 percent of the freshman enrollment at the flagship university the number of hispanic and black freshmen on the university of california campuses declined immediately after california's affirmative action ban took effect in 1999. So in some cases, affirmative action actually did help um, kind of equalize things among races on college campuses. Uh, California would be an example of that. Once they got rid of affirmative action, then you saw the enrollment of, of black students and Hispanic students go down considerably. But we've got to give you really important context on that because the only group that went down more was whites. So wait, blacks and Latinos went down, so did whites, their enrollment. It's because Asians went up tremendously once you took away affirmative action. That's right. And so, oh, I thought America was a white supremacist country. 
Uh, but just in general, I just want you to let you know, affirmative action is a perfectly good example of why um, to prove that equality of opportunity necessitates equality of franchise. The, the so-called classical liberals will say, well, we believe in equality of opportunity, but we don't hold to the Marxist idea of equality of outcome. But th this program shows you explicitly you cannot have an opportunity without the franchise to make it possible. And so if you say there is equality, we should have equality of opportunity, then by definition, it, uh, you have to have equality of outcome as well. And even, uh, so Cheryl Weisstein said many of these uh, top schools, uh, according to this findings, in some cases, the share of white students fell below 50%. So they give one example here of Rice University in Houston, which amazingly was actually exclusively white until the mid-1960s. But now the white percentage has declined all the way down to 42% in 2015 from when it was 87% in 1980. Meanwhile, the share of Asian students, even in the middle of Houston, rose to 30% in 2015 from just 3% in 1980. So, white folks, be careful what you wish for. You take away affirmative action, and the share of whites go way down. That is a correlation does not imply causation fallacy. The reason why you have the white population going down in Houston is because Houston is an extremely diverse city. And there's been a great deal of white flight from Houston because of the racial diversity and the, uh, you know, the, the, the um, reduction of white homogeneity in Houston. It has nothing to do with the affirmative action policies. It has to do with the immigration policies and the racial policies of, of Houston. Okay, so this is David Pakman. He is a flaming liberal, but um, I think that he makes some really good points in this video about socialism, and uh, it's a video that he made called Debunk Socialism Has Never Worked. Don't you know that socialism has never worked? Many don't know much about the history of socialism or even really understand what socialism actually is. They hear the word socialism and they think of authoritarian regimes like the Soviet Union or North Korea. Or even worse, they might say, hey, socialism doesn't work when they're having a conversation about someone like Barack Obama implying that Obama is himself a socialist. Now, it should go without saying that Obama is not a socialist, but this actually has to be explained to some people. This is true regardless of whether you are for or against socialism or communism or capitalism or social democracy. I am not a socialist, but I can only understand that if I actually know what socialism is. So let's begin there. Defined by a textbook, socialism is the collective ownership of a society's means of production. Okay, and, and collective can have multiple definitions. Okay, it, it could mean everyone in the country, it could mean the whole world, it could mean a specific nation. Um, and it depends on what collective group you're talking about. The, the collective identities that are emphasized in communism is economic collectives, such as the bourgeois and the... Um, the proletariat, uh, the national socialist, which is what I believe in, the, your collective is your people, your race, your tribe, your nation. Okay, that's my definition of, of collective. That that is the natural and biblical definition of your collective. That you live to serve your people, your nation. You don't live to serve the whole world. 
You live to serve your country. That is the ethos that is taught in the Bible and that is taught in nature. These are capitalist societies, and they're definitely not realizations of socialism as defined in a political science glossary. But these are manifestations of socialistic inclinations, especially when compared to what goes on in many other developed countries. Okay, and the, the reason why they have to have these inconsistencies is because both communism and capitalism are unnatural, and they do not actually comport with the reality that we have in physical, the physical world. Um, capitalism is a, you're for yourself. You're not for your country, you're not for the world, um, as in, like, the communist idea of one big human family. Uh, I completely reject that idea, it's virtue signaling Christian nonsense. Um, the doctrine of, and, and, and by the way, when I say Christian, I, I'm not talking about the Bible, I accept the Bible, I accept Jesus as being the Messiah and the Son of God. Christianity, I, I, conflate with Orthodox Christianity, the Orthodox uh, Seven Ecumenical Councils, which are completely rejected by the Protestant Reformation, and the doctrine of penal substitutionary atonement, and the Augustinian tradition, which is, has nothing to do whatsoever with the Seven Ecumenical Councils. Um, I, would, I would hold to the Augustinian Calvinistic uh, understanding of the Gospel, and um, extending from that a, a high view of the law of Moses, which is a messianic Judaizer type of understanding of the Bible. That's, I keep the Sabbath, I don't eat pork, I don't eat shellfish, etc. I keep the laws that are in the Bible, because there's, there's no other law given in the Bible but the law of Moses, and John makes that very clear in 1 John 3, 4, that sin is a transgression of the law. Sin is not a, 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 an attachment to physical reality, as you have in the Buddhist and traditional Christian tradition. <laughs> Um, so, um, just to verify, um, the, the reason why these people, have, they have to keep saying this, that the, the, the capitalists and the communists always have to go, oh, well, true capitalism has never been tried. True communism has never been tried. What, what, they, what they really mean by that, but they're, they don't want to say it because they're dishonest and they're butthurt that their ideas have failed, what they're really saying is these things are physically impossible. That's what they're really saying. They're not. They're they're hiding that in the language, but that's what they really mean. Is these things are physically impossible. The true policy of physical reality is national socialism. That that is what happens. That is how everything works out physically in the natural world. Is national socialism, and you you look at a lot of these communist groups in the last century. They've been mostly national socialists. They that's they they are not for the whole world. They hate white people. If they were if they were true communists, they would say, "Well, we're we're for everybody. We love the Latin race. We love the black race. We love the white race." No, that's not what they do. They they are only for their own people. Okay, whereas the capitalist group would say, "Well, we're we're just for them. We're just for ourselves." And that always ends up in revolution, because the people become exploited, and there's always a huge revolution and mass murder that happens in the country over. Uh, what happens when capitalism comes into power. So, uh, again, I take the biblical and national and natural view of national socialism. And w my understanding of the ownership of the means of production, what I believe is that the, the means of production that should be owned by the state or owned by the public is the mass production factories. I believe that you should have the right to own privately a domestic production system uh, machines and whatever you need to produce things on your own land. And it doesn't have to be agricultural. Whatever you want to produce in your own domestic facility on your own land, 
you should own that. But the the means of mass production, uh, factories, should be owned by the, the public. Socialism is an extremely broad umbrella term to describe a wide range of political, social, and economic systems, movements, and ideas. Let's explore where socialism comes from, some of its variations, and how they functioned in society. Some elements of socialism have ancient roots. Ancient Buddhism taught that the individual and all other living beings are interconnected and interdependent and that all humans should be treated equally and with kindness. People often draw parallels between socialism and Buddhism, and many say that Plato's Republic first articulated the notion of a socialist state, a state that aims to solve social problems by government action through higher taxes and redistribution of resources. Okay, you, you notice how he, he pointed out Buddhism. I, I've been saying these things for many years, that Buddhism is the ultimate uh, philosophy of the enemy. And notice it says that we're supposed to give an equality to all living things, right? Virtue, signal. And, uh, you know, so, so there's an equality of big, one big human family. And that's, that's not correct. Um, the Bible, what you have in the Law of Moses, you have a, you have a special status that's given to um, the native Israelite people. And then there's a second-class citizenship given to the foreigners. Um, they have an equality of, of, of penal justice, but there is an inequality of privilege and franchise, and that is the correct understanding of um, the national policy, what it should be. The native population should have a, uh, a supremacy of privilege and franchise, but there should be an equality of justice in the legal system. That is the biblical national view, and it's very agreeable to the history of English common law. There are lots of other aspects of Plato's Republic that don't at all align with modern socialism. Socialistic ideals are seen being portrayed in the Hebrew Bible, which in many places says that people should be treated equally and that it's equality of, of justice, Mr. Pacman, not an equality of privilege and franchise. Uh, the Levitical priesthood was only for the Levite tribe. It was not for everyone in the nation of Israel. We should be generous to the have-nots. The book of Leviticus says you shall not oppress or exploit your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Does that mean that the, that the, that the, um, that the uh, foreigner or the neighbor can be a Levite priest? That there's to be an equality of privilege and franchise? No. No, it means that there's to be an equality of justice, not an equality of privilege and franchise. Deuteronomy says God enacts justice for orphans and widows and he loves immigrants giving them food and clothing that means you must also love immigrants because you were immigrants it doesn't mean that they're to be equal in society Deuteronomy 17 makes it very clear that no foreigner was to hold the throne in Israel and it was only to be a native born only to be a, a native Israelite okay so you, you do not understand what you're talking about Mr. Pacman don't take advantage of poor or needy workers, whether they are fellow Israelites or immigrants who live in your land or your cities. From Ecclesiastes, it is God's gift to humankind that everyone should eat and drink. From Psalms, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. 
Now, this might get awkward for anti-socialist Christian conservatives, but the New Testament is also chock full of socialist themes. Jesus advocated that all people, including governments, should provide for the poor and distribute resources according to people's needs. Some quotes from the New Testament, all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all men as every man had need. Yeah, and, and Paul goes into detail on that in first. Corinthians 7. There's other parts of Acts that discuss this as well. The reason why this was done at this time is because Jerusalem was about to be sacked, and this communal uh, policy was given as a way to uh, to prepare for the fall of Jerusalem and the economic turmoil that would ensue from that. It was a wartime measure. It was not meant to be a regular measure in the uh, body politic. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. Distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. To take another religion... Okay, uh, clearly the New Testament, and my, my favorite is where Yeshua says that it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, which is a complete, complete rejection of capitalism, the entire ethos of capitalism. But uh, again, these passages in Acts 2 and the early chapters of Acts have to do with the fact that Jerusalem was about to fall and these were preparations for what was about to happen in Jerusalem. Religious example, in Zoroastrianism, the prophet Mazdak the Younger in 6th century Persia promoted the implementation of social welfare institutions and collective ownership of property. Many ancient religions acknowledged the social nature of humans, whether on purpose or by accident, and promoted equality, caring for the... Doesn't mean they promoted Buddhism or communism, that everyone, the whole world is one big human family. That's insane. No one, who holds these ideas except these lunatics in these monasteries? Needy and common ownership. The term socialism itself wasn't used until the early 19th century in Western Europe by philosophers and social critics like Pierre-Joseph Proudhon, Henri de Saint-Simon, and Robert Owen. Yeah, well, well, Proudhon was an anarchist. He did not believe in any form of state communism or state ownership of anything. He didn't believe a state should exist at all. At first, the word was used not to describe any one political system, but as an abstraction, a philosophy that societies could or should operate to serve the collective, as opposed to just thinking about the individual. This was in the wake of the French Revolution, and in large part a reaction to the poverty and inequality that was growing out of the Industrial Revolution. And then over the course of the 19th and 20th centuries, there were many, many different philosophies that branched out of this to form separate socialist intellectual movements. This is where the idea that socialism means any one thing is dispelled. When someone says socialism has never worked, be suspicious that they're thinking very narrowly and really not taking into account how many different types of socialism there really are. Well, um, I, I can say from the southern states uh, that uh, socialism did work for the South, which is why 
the our enemies in the north had to enact this legislation, which is in the Santa Clara County versus Southern Pacific Railroad Company, the the whole idea of, of corporations becoming persons. Uh, this was done to protect the Yankee companies from being regulated by the southern states. And um, you can see here this book, Divided We Stand, by Professor Prescott Webb. This is, again, a history of the socialist policies of the southern states uh, who were regulating the northern capitalist uh, corporations. And, yes, uh, socialism did work for us until the corporate personhood doctrine was established, which has continued to impoverish our people, which is why, obviously, the black population plays a part in this. But this is one of the big reasons why the southern states are impoverished, the most impoverished states to this very day. And how different types of socialism have manifested, or they might just be completely clueless about history. So I'll leave you to uh, examine the rest of that video at your leisure. Then we have here, Why Would a Catholic Join the Ku Klux Klan? This is a, uh, an article published by the Catholic Herald. Uh, it mentions here, um, on June 16, 1928, 10,000 members of the Ku Klux Klan assembled in Jamesville, New York. The Syracuse Herald reported that entire families with lunch baskets had spent the afternoon uh, enjoying choral music, and at 7.30 p.m., the star of the show took the stage the Alabama Senator J. Thomas Heflin was an unabashed white supremacist and a man who, as Time Magazine once put it, morally hates and fears the Roman Pope. Heflin was the darling of KKK crowds throughout the 20s, not least during the uh, febrile political year of 1928. Um, and it goes through how the KKK is an uh, anti-Catholic organization. And this is, this is the big problem for a lot of men in the Sons of Confederate Veterans and who want to claim Southern heritage but still be Catholic. The Southern white nationalist movements <laughs> from their beginning have been anti-Catholic. And that's what this, this platform is all about. If, I mean, if you're a white person in the South and you care about the British and Northern European Protestant people, the Bible Belt, we, we don't, we don't, I'm not a racist. I am a nationalist. My biggest enemies in this world are white people. They are white neo-Nazis and white communists. Those are the people I have received the most death threats from. They are white people. I am not for all white people. I am for the British and Northern European Protestant people. That's who I'm for. And I want to reestablish the British Empire. That's what I want to do. And it's Protestant. So if you're a white man in the South and you're for your people, you are for this platform. Okay, I'm the one continuing the Reformation. Not there's no other group doing this. The, the Southern Sons of Confederate Veterans, the KKK, they are completely co-opted by uh, Catholic and um, Freemasonic, which is Catholic Templarism, uh, and Freemasonic organizations. And so, if you want to to continue a correct, true, and real uh, heritage for your people, that's what I'm doing on this platform. Okay, and, and, and you know the, the liberals here. This is an article from Raw Story: A Battle for the Soul of This Nation. Joe Biden hammers Trump for comforting and supporting white nationalists. I would maintain that the left is what what the left is doing is it's comforting and helping the Catholic element of the alt right that is really behind this. As I proved in my video, the alt right is a Catholic, a deep state Catholic psyop.
Now to a recent interview that Roger Stone did um, showing how uh, any, um, any attempt to impeach Trump will end in civil war. People are even calling for like impeachment already and that sort of stuff. Do you think there's any, any chance that he might be impeached? The people who are calling for impeachment are the people who didn't vote for him. They need to get over it. They lost. Their candidate had every advantage. She spent $2 billion. He spent $275 billion. Sorry, he whipped her ass. It's over. You lost. Try to impeach him. Just try it. You will have a spasm of violence in this country, an insurrection like you've never seen. You think? No question. You think if you got impeached, like the, the, the country Both would Both sides out? are heavily armed, my friend. Yes, absolutely. The, uh, this is not 1974. They, the, the people will not stand for impeachment. A politician who votes for it would be endangering their own life. There will be violence on both sides. I'll make this clear. I'm not advocating violence, but I'm predicting it. You're, you're predicting that if he got impeached, there'd be some sort of civil war type? Yes, I do. that's what I think will happen. Okay, and this is exactly what I predicted. And this is the video I made in March 15th, 2016. I go through the timestamp uh, file right from my computer in this video here. Uh, Trump's martial law and Neil Gorsuch's Jesuit history. I've been predicting this for a year and a half now, since the beginning of Trump's presidency, that he would be president. This is before he was elected, uh, that he would be elected to create martial law and civil war in this country. That's the reason why he was brought to power. He has um, surrounded himself by people who are deep state Catholics who want to destroy the Protestant Reformation, persecute the Jews, which is traditional in Catholic um, Catholic Melu thought, and uh, that's what's really behind this, folks. There is a deep state Catholic psyop that began here with uh, Operation Paperclip. It really began with the flooding of our shores in the late 1800s with Irish and Italian Catholics, but then it got really big with uh, Operation Paperclip when uh, neo Nazis and other, uh, and, and the Nazi movement, of course, was flooded with Catholic influence. They were clearly in league with the Catholics with the Rites Concordat. And uh, that's what this has been about. Has been um, it's been to uh, destroy uh, the Protestant Reformation and to persecute the Jews and blame everything on the Jews and um, in order to bring everyone back to the Catholic Church. Okay, that's what this has been about. And my video was was uh, algoed, and I had some friends telling me that I was being overly exaggerative thinking that my video was algoed. And now uh, algoing uh, YouTube channels is now widely know we all know this now that this is, youtube does this to channels that they don't like and uh, here's a video by secular talk on this here we go again it's time for round two everybody youtube cracking down on hate speech we've seen this before and actually to be crystal clear it's never really gone away we i touched on that briefly recently but you're going to get some more information on it right now so this is from the hill YouTube is implementing a new feature it says will help curb hate speech on its platform. The company is targeting videos that contain controversial religious or supremacist content. Controversial. Okay. Uh, but which do not violate its terms of service. Instead of taking down the videos in question, YouTube will put them in a stripped down digital purgatory where they will no longer be easily discoverable, nor have the features normal videos do. See that? It's algoing. They're, algori they're putting algorithms on certain channels. That happened to my channel in early 2016.
my Southern Israelite channel. Okay, um, they they did this to me in 2016 when I put out my video on Trump. Here's a here's a big point. You guys think you conservatives in America think that the media and YouTube is against you. Okay, They're, they helped Donald Trump when they algoed my video, exposing him as being a leader of a civil war here in this country. I predicted that in March of 2016. I had like 36,000 views on that video. Uh, the video grew. There was like a week and a half where it was one day it was 1,000 views, the next day it was 2,000, the next day 3,000, all the way up to 6,000 views a day. And then all of a sudden, nothing. Completely stopped. There were no views on it. Okay? And I showed my friend that the, the, from Google Analytics uh, what happened. And uh, so my friend, they thought I was you know, overly exaggerating, trying to make myself more important than I am. Now it's common, common knowledge now that YouTube does this. So let me ask you a question, Trump supporter. Why did YouTube algo my video exposing Donald Trump that he was behind a martial law attempt here in civil war here in America? Because both sides, the alt-right and the communists, are controlled by deep state Catholic elements in this government to create a moment of crisis. This is what's called problem-reaction-solution, Hegelian dialectic. As I showed in my alt-right video on the, how the alt-right is a deep state Catholic psyop, I've shown how leaders of the NPI, Richard Spencer's organization, voted for Barack Obama. They help liberals come into power to create a crisis in the country so that their immoral immorality and degeneracy will create a crisis in the country that they can use to blame on the Jews and the Protestants. And I've showed in my video that's exactly what they're doing. Yep. This is all a deep state Catholic attempt to overthrow the Protestant Reformation and to persecute the Jews. That's what this is all about. Sorry. And we see here uh, also recently that Daily Stormer was uh, brought down from the Internet. This is, we're, we're undergoing massive censorship on the Internet right now. The only thing that could make what happened in Charlottesville worse would be if we allowed a small number of people in power to make America less tolerant and less free in its aftermath. Let's be honest, we've seen that before. It happened after 9-11. Almost nobody wanted to say so at the time for fear of seeming sympathetic to terrorists, but it did. Secret lists, massive government spying on citizens, the feds rooting around in people's bank accounts for no good reason. We allowed all of that to happen because we were upset and afraid. Well, this morning there were signs it could be happening again. The Wall Street Journal reported that big tech companies are using their power to silence certain political views. Both Google and web hosting service GoDaddy stopped providing hosting support for Daily Stormer. It's a white supremacist website. Meanwhile, the hotel website Airbnb announced it will permanently ban white supremacists from using its service to book rooms. PayPal says it won't let white supremacist groups use its payment platform. Now, nobody on the show is weeping for the Daily Stormer. Even mentioning their name probably just got us written up by the Southern Poverty Law Center. So the, the liberals discriminate, don't they? That's a perfectly good example right there of discrimination by liberals. As dangerous alt-right subversives or something. We don't care. There's a principle at stake here, and it's worth defending regardless. We should be very concerned by the prospect of big companies using their power to enforce ideological conformity, even when it seems only to affect people we don't like, as it does right now. Especially now we should be concerned because support for free expression appears to be fading on the left, and especially among young people. The 2015 Pew poll found that 40% of millennials already believe in restricting speech they believe is offensive. 
Those are the people who are going to be running this world very soon. That's right. And what's going to happen? I, I, I've been saying this for years. We need to prepare ourselves for a war here in this country. It's coming. The generation that has been raised up in the universities in the last decade or so are full-blown wanting to instate communism. So it's time for you white men to get serious about what's happening in your country and to support this platform. I need support to get this done. I need support for research on the nature of the earth in the southern hemisphere. I need funding to just do this platform on a weekly basis. There is no one else doing this with any skill whatsoever. And I need you men to get serious about what's happening in this country. There's a war coming here. And I maintain, as uh, uh, my uh, commentary on the book of Revelation showed, that the Chinese are going to be involved in a great war coming up in the near future as well. So you boys better get serious about what's happening and understand that you're going to take a dirt nap one day. And so I exhort you to repent of your sins and to believe on the name of Yeshua Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, and to um, get your life cleaned up in preparation for what's happening in, in this country and what's going to happen after you die. So this is the Southern Israelite signing off. This is Southern Nationalist News for the last week of August 2017. Shalom and peace. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.